You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church audio podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you would look with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15 is where we're at this morning. Old Testament, about eight books in, uh, you'll come to the book of, of 1 Samuel. You can grab your sermon notes there if you'd like to uh, follow along this morning. Today we're continuing the fearless series. Rather than being fearful, we want to be those who live fearless. Amen? As we discovered last week, when we're ruled by fear, whatever the source of the fear might be, when we're ruled by fear, fear becomes this. It becomes a limiting factor. It's like a lid in our lives, a limiting factor in us. Not only that, we discovered last week that, that oftentimes when we're ruled by fear, there's a presence of fear. We don't trust God. That's why God says again and again and again, actually 366 times throughout the Bible, we find this phrase, fear not. God the Creator saying to us the created, don't be afraid, take courage, fear not. Well, this morning we want to we kind of zero in and talk about a specific fear. And today our, our topic um, of conversation is the fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. This is what I know about everyone in the room today. And some of you I've never had the privilege of meeting before. But this is what I know about everyone in the room today. We all want to be wanted. Right? We all want to be accepted, right? We all want to be liked. Listen, there's no one in the room today who would say, I just don't want anyone to like me. You know, all the Oscars stayed home this morning, right? Oh, well, we, want, we all want to be wanted. We all want to be liked. We all want to be accepted. Um, and the fear of rejection often happens because we long for this this acceptance. I know having two teenagers in our home right now, I can tell you all about the fear of rejection. Uh, you know, I hear all the stories about this friend doesn't like me. This friend didn't invite me. I mean, I get it all the time. But you know what I also know is this is not just a teenager problem, right? It's for us adults as well. But we, we fear, we have a fear of rejection. Now, throughout life, um, we probably all have stories we could tell this morning about points and places of rejection. Maybe it was you were seeking relationship with someone uh, and they rejected you. Man, funny story. Uh, just yesterday, my daughter is playing for me a voicemail of some um, boy that's uh, he must be from Arkansas the way he talked. And he's actually asking my daughter out. He left her a voicemail to say, please go out with me. Um, and I was encouraging her to reject him. <laughs> so there, kind of, there is that kind of positive side to rejection. But we want relationship with others. And oftentimes we're rejected. Or maybe there was um, a job that you applied for. Uh, you were unemployed and you were seeking employment and you went through a whole process of interviews and they said, no, what is it? It's a, it's a point of rejection. Or maybe maybe you remember a time when you went out for a sports team, uh, the football team, the baseball team, and, and you didn't make the cut. What You experienced rejection. And, and the challenge is when we uh, experience rejection, if we're not careful, we can internalize that and it kind of connects to a lot of other emotions and then unhealthy stuff happens in our lives. See, the fear of being rejected creates, I think, a, a really damaging pattern of behavior. It can cause us to, to feel that we're not good enough, that we're, that we're a failure. Within relationships, it can cause us to become obsessive or clingy or jealous. 
Uh, as it relates to new opportunities like changing careers or interviewing for a new job, oftentimes fear of rejection paralyzes us. And it keeps us from, from embracing those new opportunities. It keeps us from taking risk. Why? Because we're, uh, we're afraid that we, we might be rejected. Let me just give you a couple of examples of how fear of rejection um, works out and, and the limiting effect it can have on our lives. Let's say in your workplace there's an opportunity for a promotion. You have the skills, you have the ability, you can do the job. So you put your name in the hat only to discover that someone who has less experience and who's been at the company less years, less years than you have, they get the job, they get the promotion, and you don't. What do you feel? Rejection. Rejected. And if you're not careful, that that rejection is usually tied to several other points of rejection that's happened in your past history. They kind of like find a way to all get connected. And then what happens is the next time opportunity comes, your tendency is to not put your name in the hat. Your tendency is, I'm not going to try for that because I don't want to be rejected again. And, and then that becomes what? A point of limitation, oftentimes a, a lid in your life. So now you're living the status quo existence, kind of getting by. Why? Because you don't want to be rejected again. The limiting factor. Hey, here's another illustration true for teenagers as well as adults. Your group of friends is having a party to celebrate an event, and they invite everyone but you. You want to be invited, you want to be included, you want to be a part of, but you're not invited. How do you feel? Rejected. You begin to ask questions like this, what's wrong with me? What's my problem? Not I have a problem, but I am the problem. Why would they not want me? Man, it's it's those kind of thoughts that can begin to... to, uh, like wage war against your, your self-esteem, how you view yourself. And then how you view yourself, it's amazing how that shapes how you embrace life. The bottom line is that rejection creates pain and generates all kinds of emotional and identity struggles. That's, that's why we fear rejection. Being human, we long to be accepted and wanted. We live with this, with this deep need to be needed. And I think we're, we're all wired that way. It's, it's kind of part of the way that we're, we're made. We, we, we have this, this need and desire to be wanted. That's why the fear of rejection is like one of the deepest human fears. We don't talk about it a lot, but it's one of the deepest human fears. We're born with a desire to belong. We fear being seen or responded to in a critical way. So we strive for acceptance. And when we don't get acceptance, the acceptance we long for Fear can settle in and it feeds all kinds of unhealthy emotions, leading us oftentimes to unhealthy decisions. See, fear of rejection feeds unhealthy thinking like, I'm unlovable. I mean, if, if they love me, they wouldn't reject me. And because they rejected me, I must be unlovable. Or fear of rejection feeds unhealthy thinking like, I, I have little worth or I have little value. The problem is, is we allow others to determine our value rather than allow God to determine our value. We don't feel valued because someone, they rejected us. If they valued us, they would accept us. 
I think fear of rejection feeds unhealthy thinking like I am the problem. Not I have a problem, but I am the problem. I mean, there's a big difference between I have a problem and I am a problem. I have a problems out here. I am a problem. It's me. There's something flawed in me. The fear of rejection will lead you to believe that lie. I, I am the problem. That's why they, they didn't want me. That's why they, they rejected me. And again, it, it happens in so many different ways and so many different relationships. But when we live with a fear of rejection, we allow other people to determine our value and, and we allow other people to determine how we feel about ourselves. And it it, open, it opens our lives for trouble. And, and we see the reality of this playing out in the story we want to look to this morning in 1 Samuel 15. The story is about a king. His name is, is King Saul. And what we're going to discover this morning about King Saul is King Saul had a deep flaw. He had a deep insecurity in his life. And it was basically this. He wanted acceptance. He so valued acceptance. He so valued the approval of people that it led him to compromise. It led him to a compromise in his life and a compromise in his leadership. The story actually begins in... in 1 Samuel chapter 9, you don't have to turn back there, but let me just set the story for you. It began when Israel wanted a king. The nation of Israel said, give us a king. We want to be like the other nations. At the, up, up until this point, they were looking to God. God's kind of like the sovereign ruler. They're looking to God. But they said, God, we, we're okay with you, but we really want a king to lead us. Um, God says, no, you don't want a king. They said, yes, we want a king. And so God gave them a king. He gave them what they didn't need, right? And we're going to see as this thing plays out, creates challenges. So the first king of the nation of Israel is this man by the name of Saul. Matter of fact, in chapter 9, we find this statement about Saul. He was a head taller than any of the others, and there was no one like him among all the people. So in other words, here's Saul. He is like uh, above all others, not only physically, but in his leadership ability. However, King Saul had a deep flaw, and his deep flaw was the fear of rejection. He was more concerned for the acceptance of people than he was for the acceptance of God, which then led to the serious compromise in his life, when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 15, when we see the crisis that happens, why? Because Saul had this fear, this fear of rejection that ruled his life. So what, what's happening in 1 Samuel 15? Here's the story. God says through the prophet Samuel, go totally destroy the Amalekites. Because they attacked Israel, when Israel was coming up to Egypt, when they were in a defenseless state, they attacked them. God says it's time for revenge. So Saul, get your army, go and get this totally destroyed, totally wipe out all of the Amalekites. Not only the people, but the animals, the goods, everything must be destroyed. So Saul gathers the army, goes into battle. God grants them great victory However, there's a problem, and the problem is, is King Saul and his men spare King Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and they keep all the best cows, all the best lambs, all the best livestock, and everything that was good, the scripture says they took, which was in direct opposition to what God had said. So they had great victory, yet there's great compromise. Matter of fact, look to, this is not on the screen, but jump back to verse 17. Notice 
Samuel the prophet confronts Saul. Listen to what he says. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And if you read on in this story, basically Saul says, it, you know, it wasn't my fault. It was the soldiers' fault. He transfers the blame to the soldiers rather than owning responsibility. So here's the prophet Samuel confronting him, yet he refuses to take responsibility. And now let's look on to verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. So he comes to a place where he says, I'm, I was wrong. God said, do this, and I didn't do it. I, I, I've sinned. I, I'm, I'm wrong. I violated the Lord's command in your instructions. Notice this next phrase. It's very interesting. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. These are his soldiers. He was afraid of them. Like he was afraid they would kill him? No, that, that's not what he was afraid of. He was afraid of losing the acceptance of his men. He was afraid of losing the approval of his men. Rather than doing what was right, he did that which was wrong. Why? Because he was afraid of his men. But it's the fear the fear of rejection. Notice the story goes on to say, Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as the king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and tore it. Samuel said to him, The Lord has, ta- has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Saul replied, Next, notice verse 30. Saul replied, I have sinned. Again, I'm wrong. I own it. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So here's Saul again saying, I was, I'm, I was wrong. I did wrong. I sinned. I fell. But would you go and make me look good before the leaders? Would you go and kind of stand up with me so I can have the applause of the people because I really need that? That's what Saul was saying. You know, when, we, when we give into, when we have this, this fear of rejection that rules over our lives, there's, there's several points of danger, and they're all right here in this story. Let me, let me quickly give these to you. What happens when we're like Saul and there's this fear of rejection that rules over our lives or that holds us captive? The first is this. Fear of rejection will cause you to live for the applause of man rather than the approval of God. In other words, you become more concerned about what people say about you or think about you than you, than you do what God thinks about you. You, you. you make choices based on the fact of pleasing people rather than pleasing God. So, so what fear will cause you to live for the applause of man rather than the approval of God. So we have this fear of rejection 
that King Saul is dealing with. And again, look back to verse 30. He says, hey, Samuel, will you go and, and kind of stand with me so that I can have the approval of the elders? Because that's really important to me. Because I'm so insecure. Saul doesn't say that. But really, that's what's, that's what's the root of the problem. So when we have this fear of rejection, it'll cause us to like seek after the acceptance of man and we lose sight of the value of being accepted by God. Here's a second danger of the fear of rejection. It will feed your insecurities. Now, I happen to believe that we all have areas of insecurity. And let me tell you why I believe that, because we're human. If you're here today and you're human, then this is what I can tell you about you. Even if I don't know you, you have areas of insecurity. You have areas that you struggle with about your identity. How do I know that? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where we get wounded, where stuff happens in our lives. So so we all have points of insecurity. But here's the danger of the fear of rejection. It's like the fear of rejection magnifies our insecurities. It makes them like bigger than life. And again, we see this playing out in King Saul's story. Although he was a competent king and a competent warrior, it's pretty obvious that, that King Saul struggled with his identity. Possibly he had a, a low view of himself. Therefore, he needed the praise of people. His drive for acceptance of the people resulted in him being rejected as the king of Israel. But it was this fear of rejection that that fed his insecurities. I think thirdly, the fear of rejection will also limit your life and limit your potential. Let me tell you why. It limits your life and it limits your potential because you begin to make decisions based on what other, what's going to make other people like you rather than making decisions based on what's right. So now I'm making decisions not based on maybe what God's word said or what is truth. I'm making decisions based on, will you like me if I make this decision? I mean, that's where Saul was at. That's why he came to this point of disobedience. And ultimately what? It limited his life. Because God says through the prophet Samuel, I'm going to reject you as the king of Israel. No longer are you going to be the king. I'm going to find someone else. And we know that that was David who became the next king of Israel. But Saul was rejected as the king of Israel because of the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection limited his life and cost him the kingship of the nation of Israel. I think fear of rejection can also lead to compromise, the compromise of our values. You know, if we could have a conversation with Saul, and if, if we were to ask King Saul this question, King Saul, do you value honoring God? I think King Saul would have said, absolutely. I mean, in this, in this story we read, I mean, he's, he's going with Samuel to worship God. I mean, it was a value in his life. But because of the fear of rejection, what does he do? He compromises his values. He compromises his conviction And it leads them to wrong choice, wrong decision. So folks, this is what I know. If we're not cautious and careful, the fear of rejection will do the same. It will have the same negative effect in our lives. What will we do? We'll compromise our values. And we compromise our values. Why? Because we want other people to like us. We want other people to accept us. So we lower our standard. We compromise our value because we crave the approval of others. And we're fearful of rejection. 
You know, I, I recall a story in my own life. This has been a lot of years ago, but it's so clear in my mind. It's one of those stories that kind of like stuck in my mind, one of those experiences that stuck in my mind. I was about 16, 17 years of age and uh, just got off work. And my buddies and I were out in kind of this large parking lot, and we were just kind of hanging out like teenagers do. And, and all of my buddies were consuming alcohol. Now, in the home I grew up in, alcohol was like absolutely off limits. I've never, um, I've never seen my parents consume alcohol. I mean, it was a it, fam, it was a family value. It was a value in our home, and that you you don't consume alcohol. So here I am, 16, 17 years old. I'm hanging out with my buddies. They're consuming alcohol, and they hand me a beer. Um, and I, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be a part of, uh, of the crowd. I wanted my buddies to like me, and so I, I, I took the beer. Now, I, I, knew, I knew this was against my family values, the value that my parents had, had kind of like um, solidified in my life. But I wanted the acceptance of my friends, and I, and I remember opening the can of beer, and I took a drink, and I thought, this is the God-awfulest stuff I've ever had in my mouth before. And when they wasn't looking, I actually poured it out. Um, but my desire for the acceptance of others caused me to compromise the value in my life. And I could tell you a lot of different stories, because we all have stories we could tell, of how at times we've sought the approval of others. And we sought the acceptance of others, but in that we've compromised our value. We've, we've said We've said things and we've done things that's the opposite of our convictions, all because we crave the approval of others. But it, it's, it's the danger, it's the danger of the fear of rejection. You know, if there's anything we can learn from King Saul's mistake, it's this. We want to live our lives for the praise of God, not the praise of man. We want to live our lives to have the acceptance of God, not the acceptance of man. Listen, if you live for the praise of man, you're going to continually struggle with deep insecurities and you'll wear yourself out trying to keep, trying to keep fickle people happy. How many of you know you can't keep people happy? They're all, they're all the time changing. But if you live your life for the praise of God, you will find the acceptance you long for. And you'll find life. So, so as I wrap this up this morning, I didn't want to just talk about the fear of rejection as I wrap this up, let me leave you with a few points of application. How do we confront? How do we confront the fear of rejection? Because again, I happen to believe that everyone in the room today, no matter your age, from time to time, you still wrestle with this, this whole thing of a fear of rejection. How do you confront that? Let me leave you with these few thoughts. The first, the first way you confront the fear of rejection is this. Know that you're fully accepted and deeply loved by God. Fully accepted, deeply loved. Listen, you must anchor yourself to that truth. God loves you outrageously and he's accepted you completely, fully. Matter of fact, there's nothing you could do this morning to make God love you more than he loves you now. There's nothing you could do to make God accept you more than he accepts you right now. Now, Ephesians 1.4 says that we have been chosen by God. It goes on in verse 5 to say this, that he's adopted us into his family. Listen, the very process of adoption means that you've been chosen. Someone chose you to bring you into their family. That's what God's done for us. 
So, folks, you have to know. Be confident of the fact that God loves you. He's, he fully accepts you. Hey, the problem we have is we allow other people's opinion to override or to trump that of God's Word. You know, one of the things I've discovered about life is everybody has opinions, right? Everybody has opinions. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to allow the opinions of others to override that of the truth of God's Word. You always want to come back to what God's Word says. What does God's Word say about you this morning? God's Word says that you are a unique creation. God's Word says that you are treasured. God's Word says that you are highly valued. God's Word says that you are absolutely, completely accepted. Man, you got to know. If you're going to confront the fear of rejection, you got to know that you are completely Completely accepted and deeply loved by God. A second way that you can confront the fear of rejection is this. Don't allow other people's judgment of you to determine your value. Listen, there's no one who has a right to determine your value. You know, oftentimes we we crave people's acceptance and approval because it communicates value to us. and, And all that's wonderful as long as the praise is coming... But when it turns and we're not receiving the praise, we're not receiving the approval, then life gets tough. We begin to question, am I valued or am I, am I valuable? So, so don't allow other people's judgment to determine your value. You know, the only person that can determine your value is the one who designed you. You know, if, if I were to look at a a ring with a diamond in it. I, I'm not much into jewelry. I, I don't wear jewelry. My wife is not into jewelry. Praise God. Um, <laughs> so I don't know much about rings and jewelry. So if I were to look at a ring, I would say, yeah, that's gold and it's got a rock in it. It doesn't have much value to me. But if you were to go to the designer of the ring, the one who made the ring, and you were to ask them about the ring, they could tell you the exact weight of the gold in the ring. They could tell you about the diamond in the ring, the value of the diamond, the weight of the diamond, the clarity of the diamond, the facets of the diamond. They could tell you the value of the diamond. Why? Because they, they, they designed the diamond ring. In the same way, if you want to know your value, again, you got to go back to the one who made you, being God, the designer, the creator. And get this, this is what God says about your value. He says that you're so valuable that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross that you might be redeemed, that you might be purchased. That's the price that God paid for you, the very life of His Son. And then in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, Jesus, speaking of the life of a human being, talks about the, the intimate detail that God knows of our lives. I mean, Jesus says there, listen, he even knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows that you've lost one this morning while you were combing your hair. That's how outrageously committed to you God is. Listen, don't allow other people, don't allow other flawed, messed up people to tell you your value. You want to know your value? You got to go back to the creator. You got to go back to the designer. And he's the one who says that your life is priceless. So don't allow other people and their judgment of you to determine your value. Know that you're fully accepted, deeply loved. Here's a third step to confront the fear of rejection. Gain perspective and clarity. 
to address the fear. Now, if you're consistently, continually struggling with this fear of rejection, and you're constantly trying to win the approval of others, if that's where you're at, um, then you need to ask yourself this really simple question. Here's the question. Why? Why am I continually seeking after? Why am I continually longing for the approval of others, even to the point that it might bring compromise in my own life? Why? Because again, if you're, again, there's these passing points of fear of rejection I think we all deal with. But if you're consistently, continually ruled by, consumed by this fear of rejection, this is what I can almost guarantee you this morning, there's a deeper problem. In other words, there's a root somewhere of something in your life that's feeding this fear of rejection. Possibly, possibly, I don't know, but possibly you grew up in a home where you had to earn acceptance. You had to work for acceptance. That your worth was was determined by what you could do. If you grew up in a home like that, then it's quite possible That you're always, always trying to gain the approval of others. And there's this fear of rejection because of the home you grew up in. What is it? That's a root problem. Or maybe there's a time in your life where you were rejected by someone. And there was deep, deep, deep emotional pain. And you've never been able to move beyond that. What is that? That's a root problem. That's a root problem that's creating this fruit of the fear of rejection in your life. And listen, you're not going to be able to move beyond it, beyond the fear of rejection, or you're not going to be able to properly address the fear of rejection until you deal with the root of the issue. If that's you this morning, I would encourage you, get an appointment with a professional counselor. Get someone who can help you unpack, deal with the root of the issue. Because again, if you don't deal with that, fear of rejection is going to be like this dark cloud over your life. Why? Because there's this problem that you've never been willing to deal with. So, so gain perspective, clarity to address the fear. And here's the, here's the last way I, I think we can confront this fear of rejection and it's simply this change your thoughts or control your thoughts because when someone rejects us it kind of then begins this process in our brain and if we're not careful how many of you know your thinking can take you to a bad place come on you know it's true your thinking can take you to a bad place so well, you need to control your thought life. You need to control your thinking. Because again, I said this earlier, but here's the reality. You are going to be rejected. Because again, you're processing life with a lot of dysfunctional people just like you. And because of that, rejection happens. And when it does, well, you need to control your thinking. You need to control your, your thought life. Matter of fact, Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says this. You change your thinking. He says, think about the things that are good and lovely and noble and praiseworthy and excellent. In other words, what's he saying? Control your thought life. Control your thinking. Years ago when I was a young pastor, I, I was challenged with the fear of rejection in a specific area. And when I tell you this story, you're going to think, well, that sounds so foolish. But in my life, it was real. When people, again, this has been years ago, but when people would leave Grace Covenant, so people come to Grace Covenant, they worship, they call this their church home, and when they would leave, it would like wreck me. It would mess me, because this is what I thought. 
if they leave grace covenant, then they're rejecting me. If I could just be a better communicator, they wouldn't leave. If I could be a better pastor, they they wouldn't leave. If I could like meet all their needs, they wouldn't leave. They're leaving because they don't like me, so I must be the problem. And this is behind closed door stuff, but this kept me up at nights. The fear of, as, as I began to unpack, well, it was the fear of rejection. I feared being rejected by those who would leave. And I came to understand one day, Pharaoh, you need to change your thinking. The problem is, is your thinking. And so I, I made this one little change in my life, and, I, and it was all about my thinking process. Now when people leave Grace Covenant, I, I think about it different. Not that they're rejecting me, not that I'm the problem. But here's the change in my thinking. First, I, I say, well, possibly they need to leave. Maybe there's another assignment. And so they, maybe they need to leave. God's, in, in the bigger picture of God's kingdom, maybe he's got a different assignment. Maybe they need to leave. Possibly, I, I thought... Possibly there's an area of growth that needs to happen in their life, and it can't happen at Grace Covenant. So, so God's moving them. Here's a here's a third kind of change of thinking I had is, Pharaoh, this is not your church. This is God's church. Grace Covenant people are not your people. They're God's people, and God's in control, and He's got this. And you know, it was simply that change of thought, that change of thinking that really began to guard my mind from this whole fear of rejection. It it doesn't wreck me anymore when people choose to leave. I I don't take it personal. What did I do? Again, I I simply changed my thinking. So I think that's a great way that we can confront this fear of rejection is, again, how are we going to process it? How are we going to... How are we going to think about what's happening and to make sure that it doesn't get inside us and wreck us? And if you struggle with a fear of rejection, I, I, would, I would encourage you to really anchor yourself to a couple truths. The, the first is this, you, you're chosen by God. Man, you got you got to nail that down. Though though others might reject you, God never will. At the end of the day, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the acceptance of the only one that really matters. Listen, at the end at the end of the day, I think it's nice if you like me. But if you don't, I'm okay with that because I know God loves me outrageously. And at the end of the day, it's his, it's his approval that really matters. So again, if there's anything we can learn from this story of King Saul, listen, don't get caught up living your life for the praise of man, the approval of man, the acceptance of man. No, you want to live your life for the praise of God, for the approval of God. And experiencing that of his acceptance is a great story true story of a man by the name of G. Campbell Morgan. Most of you probably wouldn't even be familiar with the name. G. Campbell Morgan was a great pastor, great communicator, great theologian. I've read several of his books. 
But early on in G. Campbell Morgan's life, he was trying to get into a Wesleyan school, a Wesleyan seminary. He, he passed the written exam, and then he had to preach before a panel. And he preached before the panel, and, and his name ended up on the list of, of 105. Out of 150, there were 105 that were rejected. They didn't make it into the program. They didn't make it into this process of training for, for ministers. And G. Campbell Morgan, uh, as a young man, was, was wrecked. So he sent his father a wire. This was in the year 1888, so like before technology today. He sent his father a wire, one word, and the one word was this, rejected. And then he went and, and he, wrote, he wrote these words in his journal. Very dark, everything seems still, he knoweth best. The reply to his wire to his dad was, was quick to arrive. I love what his dad wired back to him. It was really simple. His dad wired back, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. Rejected on earth. Listen, you may be rejected on earth. I'm telling you. Today in our culture, you take a stand for truth. You take, a, you take a stand for what's right. You take a stand for Jesus Christ. And you may be rejected. But again, don't allow what others say about you to determine your value. You always want to go back to the designer. You may be rejected on earth. But here's the good news. You'll be accepted in heaven. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for the truth of your word, the counsel of your word. Lord, I thank you that in your word you address such things as the fear of rejection because, God, it is a reality. Lord, all of us, for everyone in the room today, God, I, I just know we, we're all wired with this, this need to be needed, this, this desire to be wanted. And Lord, when rejection comes, maybe it happens through divorce. Maybe it happens in the workplace. Maybe it happens, Lord, as, as a child growing up in a home is rejected by the parents. Lord, it, maybe it happens in a relationship with our friends. Lord, so many ways it plays itself out. And God, what I know, God, is when it happens, it can be painful. Lord, it, it, and if we're not careful, we can internalize it. And Lord, then it becomes like the playground of the devil used against us. We begin to see ourselves as being Unlovable. We begin to see ourselves as, as not being valuable. Lord, it's, it, again, it's the whole deception of the enemy. So, Lord, I pray today for everyone in the room. Because, Lord, again, I think we all, have, we, we, we all deal with this at some level. For some, it's maybe more oppressive than others. But, God, I, I really believe we all deal with this. God, I pray that we would live our lives not for the approval of man. But God, may we live our lives for your approval. May we live our lives, God, not for the praise of man. But Lord, may we live our lives to bring you praise. Lord, may we know every day that we're fully accepted, outrageously loved. And Lord, may that truth anchor us. And Lord, when the rejection does come, may it not be a place where we lose focus or... We internalize and allow it to, God, like mess us up. Lord, may we be those who live fearless with our eyes and our focus set on you. 
the Holy Spirit, help us take the truth of your word and the principles of your word and bring them to application in our lives. That we might, Lord, live fearless. That we might live more than overcomers. And Lord, for those who constantly, day in and day out, Lord, are just like overwhelmed with this fear of direct fear of rejection to the point that it has paralyzed them. God, I pray today that you would bring freedom in their lives. God, I pray today through the truth that's been spoken and the Holy Spirit by your work, God, that they would have gained insight as to how they can rise above the fear of rejection. And it would not become a lid on their lives. Lord, bring freedom, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.